whoa, 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 what about budget? If I give you a fiver and you give me a tenner back, you would spend fivers all day long. Get excited about the numbers. I mean, get excited about finance because it's all sexy to develop a great value proposition and gamification and, and rewards and benefits and name your program and market it. That's sexy, that's great stuff. That's what marketers love. But love the numbers as well, you know? Putting the effort into actually Getting the data, building the reports, building the financial model is a good investment to get your program financially fit for 2022. Hi, I'm Ian Pringle. This is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty, where we help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programs. As it's January and the gyms across the world are full of people hoping to get fit after Christmas, we will explore what action you need to take to ensure your program is fit for 2022. To help me with this, I'm joined by Asim Posner and Stuart Mellon, who are our very own financial fitness gurus. Hi, Stuart. You all right? Yeah. Hi, Ian. How are you? Hi, listeners. Hi. Right. And uh, Adam, how are you? Are you well? Hi, Ian. Hi, Stuart. Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. So to get started tonight, what do you think of the financial challenges facing loyalty programs in 2022? Um, Adam, you've, you've, I know you've talked about this with a couple of clients. What do you reckon the big challenges are? Yeah, thanks, Ian. Um, you know, I think that at the core of every single amazing loyalty program is a very fit financial ecosystem. And and some of the problems that I've noticed in more recent times with clients is that fundamentally they just don't have the reporting mechanism, um, you know, in real time. So they don't have their financial setup um, sensitive and dynamic to, to change with inputs and to see variable outputs based on changes to their program. So, you know, there's a number of other problems, which I'm sure Stuart and you can highlight. But number one is I just don't feel as if the programs are real set up uh, with their financial models um, in, in a good, strong ecosystem. And, but do you think there's anything peculiar about 2022 that people are, chase, are, are um, going to face economically? Or, um, or do you think, I mean, obviously you're saying that, that they need to keep an eye on the finances. But are there any other challenges that they think you think they're going to face because of COVID or anything like that? The pandemic, like any um, kind of downturn economically, affects financial programs. Yeah, the big thing is cash is king again. So everyone's got to start looking at cash flows, not just profit and loss or balance sheets. Um, and you know, from my experience, not many people actually look at a cash flow uh, on a regular basis. Not many people even have a cash flow um, for their business, even. So, well, for some of our smaller clients, so. Um, the big programs, the big you know airline travel programs, those kind of guys, they've got plenty of finance people that do profit and loss reports, balance sheets, and, and they'll be looking at cash flows. But our small, you know, smaller, medium size kind of clients, um, you know, it's really about you know you got to look beyond the profit and loss and look at the uh, look at the cash flow often because cash is king in twenty twenty two. So are you saying things like you need to look at the balance of earning and burning and making sure that the the liability is growing at an appropriate rate and all that all that type of behaviours. Yeah, exactly. And just because you earn someone, you know, a customer earns points um, and so you send a bill or you send an invoice to a partner, that's not necessarily revenue and cash today. Um, you know, it gets deferred until the person burns it later. So, um, so it gets locked up a little bit. So it's cash in, which is good. Um, but it's locked away, so it's not free cash. So, um, so often you've got to look beyond just the profit and loss and look to the cash flow to make sure that the cash flow, you've got enough cash coming in um, versus the expenses running your program 
uh, and um, and cash being freed from your liability to to create enough of a uh, I guess a life stream of uh, cash flow for your uh, for your business. And, and this is where the loyalty model or the loyalty uh, the financial model is beautiful because basically you you you're creating a business which 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 creates cash now or, or brings cash in now, but then you ha- you you can release it later. Um, as you drive redemption, and as you, uh, and you've got to make sure that balance is right. Yeah, and and as long as you know the the ultimate is the ecosystem where the redemptions stay within your business. If you've got redemptions going outside your business, that's cash out of your business. So you've got to be careful around the volume of that in these sort of times. Uh, but the ultimate is bringing cash in from external partners and uh, and having it redeemed on your own product. So, um, you know, driving sales within your own product. If you've got, um, you know, points being earned within your own ecosystem and you're funding them yourself and then they're being redeemed onto external partners, gift cards, etc. that's really just cash. It's a drain on your business. It's cash out of your business. So, um, so you're funding um, redemptions into someone else's product. Yeah, and you do see that increasingly. Um lots of and and you can see why they do it but it you expect i accept it's you i always see it as a you know, your bath you fill the water in and you and and and, uh, and and the water comes you just want to capture some of that water yourself otherwise it flows away to other people you know yeah yeah and i think uh, also you know you talked about what's happening in the world around us you've really got to look at some of those key inputs that inf- influence the cash or influence the outcome so the activity of your members is it declining the volume of new members signing up, are we signing up as many as we were before or, you know, are people a bit more, you know, careful about which programs they're joining? So, you know, the fundamental inputs to your pro- your program and your financial model, volume of members joining, activity, how much they're spending, the frequency, you know, the fundamentals, you really got to have a model that allows you to look at what, what I call what if scenarios. So what if our volume of members goes up or down? What if the activity rate changes. So some scenario planning in your model makes it much more fitter. <laughs> it's like an assessment at the gym. You know, as you look at where you're going uh, and what you want to achieve, it's essentially the same with the model. And that influences the cash and everything else that Stuart's talking about. Exactly. And what you tend to find is, you know, the, the internal finance team, you know, month to month do the same process. They get the same outcome. Uh, they bring in the external auditors every year and, and you know, the external auditors, yes, they're from, you know, big five accounting firms, big four accounting firms, whatever whatever is left of those guys. But they don't know day to day how these programs work and they don't know the competitive benchmarks that are out there either. And uh, and so you tend to find in the current environment, they'll, they'll apply the same kind of lens or view on these programs from a finance point of view, yet... These programs have changed drastically over the last few years or in 2022, as things start to return out of the back of the pandemic, program managers are going to want to change their programs drastically to refit them to the new environment. And um, and unless you've got a good financial model, as, as Adam says, that you can tweak and change you know, the inputs and, and look at the real-time outputs to make you know, quick, easy decisions for your business, um, it, it's going to be very hard to do and, um, and you're not going to have a good grasp on your program. Yeah, and I like your thing on scenarios, um, Adam, because it, it's a complicated business because if you, if you suddenly turn up one dial, you'll turn down the other. Yeah. And I've often seen it, I've seen in several programs where, where management teams have said, you know what, if we don't have a target for acquisition, then funny enough, the, AP, the, the, the net promoter score goes up, 
the earning per member goes up. But you, but if you're not if you're not tracking new members coming in, because if you have new members coming in, your overall NPS score, your overall earn rate may go down. But that's because you're growing the scheme over time and you're investing in the future. And it's understanding what those dynamics are that's that's really tricky, especially in a growth model or a shrinking model or whatever. Because yeah, one 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 KPI influences another. Mm-hmm. I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's it's like the body, you know, the head and the heart, the feet, the legs, everything is connected. <laughs> um, and in a financial model, it's the same thing. And it's interestingly, though, even if you step back, and I'm not talking about the big programs who have, as Stuart says, many finance people on their team, but in the small to medium size and a lot of retail, you're actually you're still a, a mindset issue with programs. They still see them as an expense, not as a growth asset. So you also got to change your mindset. Uh, so it's like a, a, a financial mindset has to change this year in terms of looking for those cash flow for the profit and loss and, and believing that it's not just an expense, that an, a program is invested. You've got to invest in it and see what, what the outcomes are uh, with those scenarios. So a mindset is another big thing, I think, this year. You're absolutely right, Adam, because um, I had a client recently where they had a very positive ROI, but then in their, in their management meetings, every management meeting is about budget. And I'm yeah. saying, hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 what about budget? If I gave you a fiver and you gave me a tenner back, you would spend fivers all day long, right? <laughs> and, so, and yet you're telling me you're, you've got a budget on the fivers and you don't want the fivers to go out. I'm saying that's, that, that if, if you don't believe the numbers, then do them again, because that's not good business. Yeah, a lot of people um, don't even have the finance reporting at that kind of level we find in, you know. Um, as Adam said, people treat it as a marketing expense and, and it's just a, a line item in the P&L. And uh, they don't know whether they are getting that return on investment um, that you talk about uh, or they don't know whether they're being too generous or not enough compared to their competitors uh, in their loyalty program. And so unless you've got the data and you've gone and built the financial model, um, or you've got the finance reports around the profit and loss balance sheet and the cash flow, you really can't make an assessment on it. So, um, um, so I think at the end of the day, you know, you've got to be able to ask the question, you know, is the program costing us more than it's making it or making us more money than it's costing us? So you've got to answer that question. Yeah, I think we ought to do a, a podcast soon about return on investment, how to measure it, because there's any number of ways you can do it and there's no, there's no right or wrong answers, but... I've seen it done at least five or six different ways. And so then what are, what are the common mistakes or opportunities that could really make a difference? Stuart, do you, do you want to start us on that one? Yeah, I see the biggest, the biggest starting point is data. People don't get enough data on their program, don't get enough insights and don't look at those. Those drive both operational metrics, operational KPIs, as well as financial ones. And you can't do your financials unless you've got that sort of data that under, underlies it. So you've got to go and find the data in the business to start with. So that's, that's the biggest common mistake that I see in a lot of small to medium clients. They don't, they don't have the data or the understanding on the, on the customer behaviours and the performance of the program. I completely agree. And, and, and look in different places for data because new data is coming up all the time from different sources. And I'll give you a really good example recently where nowadays it's, quite, it's easier now to get hold of tokenized payment data. And people used to always just look at loyalty data. Loyalty or data will tell you what your loyalty customers are doing on a headed basis. But actually now you can use credit card as a means of taking a, a proxy for customer. Because if it, it, what we've seen during the lockdown is more and more customers are using card instead of cash. And if you can get a token for that card and you see that card turn up regularly, you know you can take that as a proxy for customer. And um, I've had a client recently who's looked at that and completely changed their strategy because 
they thought that that regular visitors were were therefore responsible for a large amount of sales and it actually turned out to be completely wrong um, because once you look at the card data you know you realize that customers that visit regularly aren't, aren't necessarily spending the most amount of money and and you know these 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 things can be um, can be complete can can completely flip a strategy. So I'm saying, you know, there are all sorts of new ways to to measure that performance, and don't necessarily just look at the data you've always looked at before. Yeah, and I think that just on that, uh, Ian, is to reevaluate your your value segmentation, your value, your tiers. Mm. I think that that uh, last year and the year before, you know, the behaviours were different than the, than coming this year and where they are right now. So, you know, take, you know, we, we live in a dynamic world and it's always changing, but you do need to look at the, the segmentation. If you've got a silent tiers or if you've got avert tiers in your program, you really need to look at uh, what they're made up of and how you actually apportion the value to each tier, you know, their spend value or, or, their, um, or their targets. So, you know, you asked earlier on about what sort of areas to look at. I, I'd suggest that taking a breath and, and looking at the value segmentation that you've set up um, and seeing if it still works. Hundred percent, hundred percent. The other one I'd suggest is is to look at your customer journey because it's very easy over time to to accept that your customer journey is what it is. You know that this is how this is how customers interact with collect. Here's how customers redeem. But changes in in technology are now such that you know the things like the digital wallets now, which don't necessarily need to be your collection mechanic, but someone else's collection mechanic. There could also be new changes to the point of sale and other ways you can interact with your customers. That could now make it a lot easier to interact, and and that may be more appropriate now. Now I'm not I'm not a total believer of making loyalty programs completely seamless, but actually making them more seamless may make mm. may be more appropriate now, especially now people are coming out of lockdown. I think I think the key point to some of this is you know 2022 is going to be a great opportunity for people you know um, that have survived their you know their their businesses through the uh, through the pandemic. Some have flourished, some have faced some downturns, um, but at the end of the day, they're going to want to start to make changes or tweaks to reset or reevaluate their programs. And without a good financial model and a good financial understanding of their program, they're just going on gut feel and, and what they think. Um, they can't make real time, you know, good management decisions. So putting the effort into actually getting the data, building the reports, building the financial model is a good investment to get your program financially fit for 2022 so that you can start making those good decisions on where you want to take your program. And what I find is more than 80% of marketing people in loyalty programs don't understand their financials. Yeah, it stands true to that, Stuart, because I've met lots of clients who, um, without doing that work, have said, I'm not sure, loyalty has been around a long time. And I don't want to take it away from my customers, but they're not, they're not, they haven't got the strength of conviction to put the foot on the gas, right? And if you're not putting your foot on the gas, then you could be missing out on opportunity, but you obviously need to know that putting the foot on the gas is a good thing, right? And a lot of, a lot of people that have a loyalty program are just not maximizing it simply because they don't have the, the conviction of the, the belief that it is good business. And, and that's just another point is get excited about the numbers. I mean, get excited about finance because it's all sexy to develop a great value proposition and gamification and, and rewards and benefits and name your program and market it. That's sexy. That's great stuff. That's what marketers love. And, but love the numbers as well, you know, and, 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 and love your finance people because you should be aligned. And in fact, Stu, 
has highlighted that before. Finance people and marketing people or loyalty managers and their finance, they should be brothers in arms, sisters in arms, because, you know, uh, the financial model is the foundation uh, and, 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 and drives, helps drive, sorry, the rest of the program. I'm going to get your T-shirt. I'm going to get Stuart a T-shirt that says, love, love the financial people. And love love your arms. finance people. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, look, it, it, it's, it's true, but because, you know, you've got to really get that partnership with them. Too much corporate energy is wasted between finance and marketing people fighting over things like ROIs and how to, how to assess things or, you know, what the numbers look like or whether it's a good decision around the program or not. You've got to get an understanding of both sides and see it from both sides. And once you can do that, the two of you and the whole business can prosper. So, um, so I think it, it's an important thing to do. So if you haven't done that yet, 2022 might be the year to make the resolution to make friends with your finance team. Well, I've, I've often seen them as being friends. That, that, that it works best if they're friends, but often they're friends that don't understand each other is also the problem. Yeah. Right? And, and I think there has to be that common understanding. They have to take, both sides have to take the time to simplify what they're saying and make sure that there is an understanding because otherwise you just, one just thinks the other one's talking mumbo jumbo, which just isn't right either. No. Um, it's, now, now, it seems really hard, you know, the law of the accounting standards that are out there, they seem really hard to understand. But once you've gone through it a few times and looked at it, you know, it does get easier and easier. So um, um, understanding commercially how you make money uh, is definitely an important thing for, for any loyalty program manager. And Stuart, talking of, of regulations, this is, the, this is where, where the listeners can switch off or do something else. But, um, <laughs> but we've had, we've had IFRIC 13, we've had IFRIS 15. Are there any big ones on the, on the horizon that you're aware of that we need to be aware of in 2022? And IFRIS 18? No, nothing, nothing coming at the moment that's too concerning. Um, Everything's kind of been over the past few years. Um, the big one, the most recent one, was around revenue recognition and uh, and the timing of that recognition. So you know things like if someone uh, redeemed points today for a hotel stay but didn't stay in the hotel until the next financial year, you couldn't recognise that revenue until the next financial year. Whereas a lot of programs were recognising that today when the person redeemed. So there's some changes on the treatment. Of, of those sorts of things that go back. IFRIC 13 was, you know, over a decade ago now, um, 1 January 2009, you know, the guidance was, was introduced, AFIRS. But, um, you know, realistically, that's been around for a long time. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, there should be a lot of a solid base of information and, and understanding out there around this. What I tend to find is a lot of people don't have a great understanding and so I think it, the challenge is for most people is to go and get that understanding, work with your finance team, see what they're doing, ask questions, you know, get, get an understanding of yourself. If you don't, we've got some really great tools and, and some really good training information that's a little bit of a, a loyalty accounting 101 um, that we can, can share with you and, and talk you through. So, um, um, so there's definitely help out there if people need it. Perfect. So... Um... So what would your, what would, if you finished with what are your top tips, if you had two each, what would your top tips be for 2022 to keep fit, get fit for 2022? What would you, what would you say, Adam? Well, I've actually got three and it's a little, a little uh, um, something for them, everyone to remember, which is keep your program healthy, wealthy and wise. And the healthy part is very much just about getting your P&L, your balance sheet, your cash flow, the models, get them financially fit. So that's the healthy part. The wealthy part is, you know, get to that ROI positive. So tweak the program, look to the ROI plus 
uh, um, thing in terms of, of creating wealth and selling the wealth into the business. And wise is the what if scenarios. Have a model that's dynamic and sensitive to change to changes of inputs and give you the insight so you can take speedy action. So that's the wise piece. So healthy, wealthy, and wise are your three uh, pillars for your for the financial fitness of your program. Perfect. Thanks, Adam. And uh, you, Stuart? Yeah, I think I go back to uh, you've got to start with the data. The second point is cash is king. The third point is, you know, are you making money, more money than it costs you or are you too generous or not generous enough? So do that assessment. And to do that assessment, a one-page business case doesn't cut it these days. You've got to have a smart, integrated financial model that you can tweak and you can turn on and off sensitivities or, as Adam said earlier, the what-if scenarios or what next. Um, So if you want to make changes, how do you make the decision on what's the best change to make? Um, You need to put it in a financial model and see what happens and run it through in real time. Yeah, and I agree with all of those. The only one I would add is I would take the opportunity to get onto the shop floor and have a look. I really do recommend that. You know, I've done it several times in my career and you always learn something. And because the only strategy a customer sees is execution. And, um, and Pavel Lose told me that several times, Michelle. Um, and it's absolutely true is you can strategize all you like and you have business cases all you like and they're really important. But actually what the customer sees is execution and, and seeing it on the shop floor, you, w- you will come out of there with four or five action points that will make a big difference to the program. No doubt about it. Great point, Ian. I, I see that from the point of view of people in finance that are supporting loyalty programs don't get out there enough to support their loyalty programs and understand them. And the external auditors come in once a year and they see the loyalty program and they make their own assessment based off their actuarial models. Um, if you if you as the loyalty program manager have that understanding and you can get the understanding of the finance perspective, um, you can really make some improvements and challenge you know, your finance team and your, uh, your external auditors on how best to make assessments and assumptions around your program and uh, you could could end up with some really good results for your program on on its financial performance. So if we can summarize, love finance, love the love the love the numbers and uh, love everybody is really what we're all saying. Is that really, is that how it is that tonight? <laughs> and love um, your customers, yeah, as yeah, you've said, yeah. Love your customers. So thank you very much to our guests tonight. So thank you very much, Stuart Mellon. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, listeners. And uh, thanks, Adam. Thanks tonight, Adam, Adam Posner. Thanks very much, Ian and Stuart. Thank you, guys. So if you like the podcast, please like, share, or comment on LinkedIn using the hashtag loyalty podcast. And we look forward to your company again soon. Thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>